What's good, family? I hope everyone is having a blessed day. I wanted to update you on some changes that have been happening behind the scenes here. So as much fun as how to be an MF legend was to do, I don't particularly feel compelled to continue in that vein. So I had contemplated starting another podcast, and I had, but then I said, let's just continue with this podcast, but be able to have shifting energies coming in and out. So what I decided was to switch the podcast title to Awakening Genius, because that's essentially what How to Be an MF Legend is about, and include different segments. So the segment that's been feeling alive now is called Reflections, and you will be hearing an episode of Reflections today. It's the same energy of how to be an MF legend, but perhaps more contemplative. And yeah, I just wanted to open the door and say that there will be different types of expression here. Same energy, but perhaps with a different tone. And maybe how to be an MF legend will be back. But just wanted to let you know of the change. I hope you enjoy it. I would love to hear what you think of the changes to the show. So you can hit me up on Instagram at Dijon Bowden and let me know what you think. Peace. Yeah. This is Reflections. I'm trying to boost your connection. This is Reflections. Feel it in your soul. This is Dijon. I'm just sharing my mind and my heart. Enjoy the elevation. What's good, everybody? I hope you're all having a blessed day and that in your soul you are at peace. These are very interesting times. It's the first quarter of 2020. And we've already experienced the shocking loss of one of our legends and heroes, Kobe Bryant. And now we're in the midst of a global pandemic and worldwide quarantine with the coronavirus. And we all had big dreams and hopes for 2020 as we do every time there's a new year. But I feel like 2019 was so trying for a lot of people that they were really looking to 2020 to be a year of new beginnings and hope and the fulfillment of their dreams. And despite what's actually going on in our society, it still feels that way to me. I personally feel closer to my dreams and to my purpose than I ever have in my life. And that is a matter of how I'm choosing to engage with what's going on in my external reality. Because I don't let the things in my external reality dictate how I'm going to feel in my day-to-day -day experience. In fact, the only thing any of us can actually control is our response to the external world. We can choose to respond rather than react. 
And that requires a lot of inner work to get to that place when you can respond rather than react. But it's the only work there is to do. It's the work of connecting to the self. And I wanted to tie in how Kobe Bryant's death and how the coronavirus are doing what's always done with the universe, which is connect us more to ourselves. So I actually began studying in detail Kobe Bryant's career and his mind and his way of viewing the world about a year before he passed. I started watching the detail episodes that he has on ESPN2, which are him breaking down the game tape of different players and assessing their strengths and weaknesses and tendencies and propensities. And it was really mind-blowing the level of attentiveness he put into analyzing the game. And I watched episode after episode of him diving into different players and understanding how they worked and the energetics of their being, which informed him on how he was going to prepare to play against them. And since he passed, I also got his book, The Mama Mentality, which was sold out for a long time because everybody wanted a piece of Kobe after he passed because they really recognized what a light he was. And in that book, The Mama Mentality, it outlines his approach to his greatness and his mindset because everything he accomplished began with his mindset and he had a real warrior's mindset within the context of basketball you know in ideal society these days there's no war and no literal battle but in certain cultures like native american cultures going into battle was a very sacred activity and it was the opportunity to embody certain parts of your masculinity that can't really be embodied or maybe aren't even appropriate in other contexts. And, you know, we hear a lot about collaboration over competition. And that's important. Collaboration is definitely important. And it's definitely important to move to a more we-centric view than a me-centric view. That's a big part of what this global pandemic is about. It's about thinking about the whole when you're making individual choices. But competition really is a form of collaboration, right? Everything is about how you look at it. So we are social animals and we came here to connect. We came here to interact and being competitive with each other actually makes us stronger. For instance, if you're running a 100-yard dash, you're going to run faster if you're running against someone. If you're playing basketball, you can't even play a game without having an opponent. Your opponent is the person who tries to 
defend you and keep you from scoring and they're just as aggressively trying to stop you doing what you're doing as you're trying to do what you're doing, right? But you view that in the context of a game. It has a framework. So that metaphor is pretty clear that the resistance is what allows us to grow and to play. And if you continue the basketball analogy, like the Lakers wouldn't be what they are without the Celtics and vice versa. The the Red Sox would not be what they are without the Yankees, right? There's some level of competition that makes things storied and enjoyable. And we understand, though, that that's within the confines of that game and outside of that game, we're actually part of the same league, right? Like they're the Lakers and the Celtics are both part of the same basketball organization, right? So they're collaborating to be competitive within a certain framework that makes them both stronger. So when you cultivate a mindset like that, you end up actually having gratitude for your competitor slash enemy. And Native Americans even had that mindset for their enemies in battle. Obviously, the stakes are higher because it's not just talking about a game. You know, it's a life or death situation. But their perspective is also different about life and death. And they don't see this life as the only life. This is just one of many dimensional experiences. And you can see how having different awareness around the nature of reality can affect the way you show up, right? Because if you're playing a game, you may give it your all, but you know when it's over and the clock hits zero, you're still going to go home and spend time with your family and do whatever it is you do. And Native Americans in that battle scenario, if they're fighting honorably for their tribe, then if they have to die and quote unquote, go home, they're still going to a larger family because life does not end there. So my point in talking about Kobe, and I will move on to the coronavirus in a bit, is that your mindset determines how you show up to your reality. And the only point I believe in us being here, like as human beings on the earth, is to live a divinely embodied experience, right? We are beings of mind, body, and soul. There's a trinity of our being. And they're all equally important, but they have different functionality. So the soul is the eternal aspect of us. It's the aspect that knows everything. The greatest things that you experience in life are things that you know. They're not things that you learn. There are some things that you have to learn, and those are changeable because they apply to specific things. Like, I had to learn how to use this software to be able to make this podcast, but I know what love is, right? It's not quantifiable. You can't measure it. You can't prove it. But you know when you love someone and you know when someone loves you. 
And you even know what love is, even though we try to say it's so indefinable because of the way it feels inside of you, right? We are beings of love. So when we are acting in love, we are in harmony with our true nature. And everything going on outside of you is the universe's game with you to help you embody your true essence, which is love. So in the same way that in a basketball game, someone is trying to keep you from scoring, but then when you do score, you know, you feel like a champion, right? And not only do you feel like a champion, but when we envision those scenarios, we create as much drama as possible, right? Like you don't fantasize about, you know, six minutes being left in the first quarter and you hitting a shot. You fantasize about six seconds being left on the clock and two defenders all over you and you hitting a fadeaway in their face because that's more exciting. The drama is exciting. And the reason why I'm using the sports analogies is because they're pretty easy to transfer into the greater context of life. So if we're thinking about the coronavirus, right, that's the drama and that's the resistance we need to unleash our true selves to embody our essence as love on the planet at this time. And it's not easy. It's definitely challenging, but it is simple. And when I was reading Kobe's book, The Mama Mentality, he goes over all the preparation that he went into to be the player and the legend that he is. And it's an obsessive, and I mean obsessive routine from, you know, three workouts a day for two hours. And in between that time, he's shooting basketball, you know, going over certain drills. And then when he's not doing that, he's getting ice and getting his body taped. And when he's not doing that, he's watching film. And then when he's not doing that, he's with his family, right? But he sacrificed everything else to achieve that level of greatness, to attune to that frequency. And the truth is, we all have the potential to express ourselves to that level of greatness in whatever so direction we choose. Because what he did is attune to a certain frequency, the same way we attune to a certain station on a radio. If you want to get to a certain station in life, then you analyze what it takes to get there, and then you become that person. And in his case, it was all those workouts I talked about, all the tape jobs, all the film study, all the drills. In my case, as an artist, and as my desire to be a multi-dimensional, multidisciplinary artist, I long to express myself as easily and as fluidly in whatever medium I choose. So that could be music, that could be podcasting, that could be poetry, that could be photography, that could be filmmaking. Like I want to leave a legacy where I create so much beautiful work in so many different mediums that it's very clear that I am a pure channel for God, right? Because 
like I said, we all have the same capacity for greatness, for brilliance, because we're all animated by the same source of energy. And anything is possible when you're allowing that source of energy to flow through you. The only thing that blocks your greatness is your resistance. We have resistance through procrastination. We have resistance through ego, whether it's inflated or deflated, right? Whether it's thinking you're so good that you won't listen to anybody else or thinking that you're so unworthy that you don't need to share what your gifts are. Both of those things are ego. The middle point is just being who you are because ultimately we're all the same, but each of our truths is channeled through a different lens because God, our source, or whatever you want to call it, is an artist. And that energy that we call God or source wants to express itself through us in a unique way. And when we see someone who does what is necessary to live at their full expression, we feel the power of that. That's what Kobe Bryant did. And that's why it was so painful for the collective when he left this plane. Because we all understood on some level that he did what was necessary to realize the self. It was really a very spiritual path, even though it was under the lens of basketball. And if you've ever studied the Bhagavad Gita, which is one of the most famous spiritual texts in the world, they talk about the different paths to God. And they talk about the path of meditation. They talk about the path of knowledge. They're all different types of yoga. And they talk about the path of action, which I believe is called karma yoga. And Kobe took the path of karma yoga. He took the path of absolute presence and devotion in every moment to the path, which is the only thing that will get you to where you want to go, which is the eternal now. Right now, this is the only time that exists. Time is actually an illusion. Proof of that is that I'm recording this now and you're listening to it now, but they're different nows, or are they? And that now is achieved by control of your vibration. How do you control your vibration, you might ask? There's lots of ways. There's meditation, there's yoga, there's conscious breath work, there's thoughtfully selecting the food that you eat because different food carries different vibration. All the things you're probably learning about or reading about on the internet because there is a wave of consciousness that's here on this planet to help us gain more conscious awareness and control of what vibration we're embodying. And that's all a blessing. And 
Kobe Bryant provided an example of someone who lived in absolute devotion, and that's such a gift, right? Because we have these other historical figures that lived in extraordinary ways, whether it be Buddha or Jesus or Muhammad, but they lived so long ago, they kind of feel like not human, like they feel like historical figures, but they were human. But the reason why Kobe is so special and because he means so much to us is because we know for a fact he was human because we saw his life. We saw his imperfections. We saw his humanity. And yet still, we saw his transcendence. And if he could be an imperfect human and also achieve the level of transcendence that he did, then so can you and so can I. That seed of greatness is within all of us. And the way the coronavirus comes in is that it has collectively ushered in a pause for humanity. Humanity had been running on autopilot and continuing in ways that were not nurturing to the whole. They were not nurturing to the earth and they were not nurturing to the ultimate goal of life which is to live as the divine self embodied. Now, I touched upon that earlier, and what I mean is that the soul knows what you are. It's the eternal part of you. The mind operates to choose to follow the intuition, which is the voice of the soul, the voice of unity, or to follow the voice of ego, which is the illusory voice of separation, our fear, our judgment, our blame. And then the body experiences that choice. If you make a choice that's grounded in the ego, you're going to experience pain. And when you make a choice that's rooted in unity consciousness, soul consciousness, love consciousness, you're going to experience joy, peace. Because reality is actually determined by how you choose to experience it. It's not determined by external phenomena. And I think maybe the clearest example of that is interacting with somebody you love, especially a child, right? So if you're a parent or even have like a niece or a nephew and that kid is in a school play and they have a part where they're singing, right? And you're watching them in the audience and you experience their solo when it comes on and you're just so proud of them and you're so happy and you're sitting there smiling and it's just the most beautiful thing you've ever heard, right? They're standing on the stage, just being vulnerable, not being self-conscious and just expressing themselves authentically. And it sounds so beautiful to you, right? And then you go to a concert a week later where you pay a bunch of money to go see someone. And you go see Adele, right? So you're all excited, but then the opening act for Adele is someone you never heard about and you hear them sing and you don't enjoy it and you notice that the 
notes are flat and you don't really like the music and you really just wanted to see Adele. So you're not even interested in who this person is, right? So the difference in those two experiences is the level of connection you have between either your child or your niece and this stranger that you imagine is not you, that you imagine is different than you. Because yes, that person may have sung flat notes and they may not have been your cup of tea, but your son or daughter or niece or nephew probably wasn't singing pitch perfect either, right? They were just being authentic. And yet you love the sound of their singing because you love them and you felt connected to them. Whereas with this other person, you imagine them to be different or you imagine them to be a stranger and therefore you did not enjoy the experience. You were seeing it through the lens of ego or judgment. So why does that matter? It matters because it personally feels better to be in a state of love all the time to always be seeing through the eyes of unity consciousness. And we know love is the answer, right? Like everyone knows love is the answer, but what does that mean? And what's the point? So the point is that you're going to ascertain what is loving in each situation. And it changes, right? Like life is a dynamic process. Sometimes love is being compassionate and giving someone a second chance. And sometimes love is setting a boundary and walking away from a relationship. It depends on the relationship. It depends on the situation. And you have to use your own inner knowing and your own intuition to really tap in to know what is the right choice in the moment for your life. That's not really something anyone else can, can tell you. And the way you're able to tap into that intuition is by connecting with yourself, with the self, the self that animates all of us, the source of life that animates all life. And the reason why the coronavirus is a blessing is because it's inviting all of us to slow down to really look at our lives and look at humanity as a whole and analyze what actually is serving of me and serving of the whole. What is constructive for the advancement of the species and the advancement of my path along my soul's journey? Because a lot of stuff that's going on is non-essential and outright contradictory to the idealized goal of harmony and unity. There's a lot of systems set up that don't support everyone, that are discriminatory, that are wasteful, that dishonor the earth. And now we're getting to really feel into the impact we're having and course correct if we so choose. So it's a time to slow down it's a time to find and deepen that inner connection. And we know the way. We know it because it's embedded inside of us. 
We know it because we've seen examples outside of us like Kobe Bryant. And you may ask, well, how do I know I have that spark of greatness within me? I just don't know if I do. Everyone does. Maybe you're not expressing it through the lens of basketball because that is a very specific, highly valuable skill set in our culture. But the reality is, is whatever your authentic expression is, it's beautiful. And the more authentically yourself you are, the more beautiful you will become. Because that is the unique signature of your personal soul. And the only thing that you're supposed to do in this life is embody your soul. And I know I've said it a few times, and I'm going to keep saying it because it's easy to forget that. It's easy to get distracted by things that are inconsequential. So I wanted to create this to be an invitation for you to recognize your greatness, remember who you really are, and do whatever you feel is necessary to stop procrastinating, to connect internally, and to choose in each and every single moment to embody your highest self. And that journey to your center is an infinite, eternal journey. It will never be over. Your enlightenment is a process. It's not a destination. There's not a finish line where you cross and you say, okay, I'm enlightened. I don't have to do anything anymore. Right? You make the enlightened choice in every situation. The enlightened choice is your heart's choice. And once again, we all know what our heart's choice is, right? Sometimes we are conditioned away from it, but we all actually really deep down know what it is. I'm going to give another example. You are walking on the street and you see a child with a sign that says they're hungry. What's your initial reaction, right? Your initial reaction is towards connection, towards providing for that child, because that's how human beings are. But maybe we've been conditioned to not pay attention, to ignore it, to act like we don't see it because there's so much suffering and it just feels overwhelming to have to interface with all of it. And you feel like maybe if you interface with all of it, what else would you do, right? And that's understandable. But it's not just something you're doing for that child. You're actually doing it for yourself. Because if you remember, like I said, we're all one. I actually had this experience last year when I was leaving the grocery store and someone said, hey, do you have a second to talk about, you know, starving kids in, you know, wherever? And I was like, yes, actually, I do. And the person was with this organization called children.org. And they basically provide resources for children around the world 
to increase their quality of living and empower them to reach their full potential. And it's a really cool organization and they'll pair you with one specific kid that you become a sponsor for and you start to send money and resources and you even have correspondences with the kid to hear about their development and what's going on with their world and you share what's going on with yours. And I ended up signing up. I have a child named Andrew. He lives in Zambia and I've been sponsoring him for about a year now. So I set it up, you know, I, it's something very manageable, like it's like $37 a month. So it's, it's something almost anyone could commit to, right? Because, you know, maybe it's like one night out of going to the movies and dinner or something like that a month, right? So that someone else can have their basic necessities and needs met. And I also wrote him a letter and then I remember when I got my first letter back from him, which was maybe a month after I started sponsoring him. And I read about his life and how he had been sleeping on the floor and how he lived with his mom and his sisters in this basically, you know, one room building in Zambia and how the money I was giving him was allowing him to get like a bed to sleep on and some kitchenware for his mom to use to cook, right? And <laughs> it I can't really convey the experience I had in my being reading those words. You know, there was something orgasmic about it in the sense that I could feel my whole energy body being stimulated, but it was not just in my body, it was in the energy and in the air around my body. And it felt as if I was reconnecting to my larger self. And it was so beautiful and it, and it made my eyes tear up and it was just like a really powerful emotional experience. And the reason why I share that is because you know, everything we do in life is because we want to feel a certain way, right? Like if you exercise or you're eating certain food or you're even in a certain relationship, it's because you want to have a certain feeling. And that feeling I had by supporting Andrew was one of the most powerful feelings I've ever had in my life. So at the deepest level, what was good for him and what was ultimately good for me were the same thing. And why is that true? Is because we're actually one being, right? So at the highest level, altruism is the same thing as self-interest, right? So if we keep scaling back, we can always find a way to serve the personal self and also serve the whole at the same time. And that's what this time in our human history is about. We get to rethink about the ways in which we interact as a global society and create new systems and structures that feed both the people that need things on the physical plane and feed 
the segment of the population that needs support on the spiritual plane. So I hope that this has been an enlightening and inspiring perspective. That's really what I want to share with this podcast. I just want to give you the reflections to perhaps look at your life and the things that are going on in your life in a new light. So my invitation to you is to think about what kind of legacy you want to leave and what kind of life you want to live on a day-to-day basis. And then figure out who you have to be and what you have to do on a day-to-day basis to create that for yourself. And then take action. Because the only person that's going to save you from any fear, any negativity, any scarcity in your life is you. You have the power to do that. Instead of looking for love, you can realize that you are love and you can give love. Because if you give something, that means you have it, right? If you decide to give love, that means you have love to give. And since we are love, there's always an infinite amount of love to give. Even if you don't have money to give or physical things to give, you can give loving presence. You can listen. You can give compassion. Your heart is infinite. You are infinite. You are eternal. The more you align yourself with heart-centered being, the more you will recognize your eternal nature and remember that. This is Dijon sending you all so much love, hoping you have a joyful day. Stay blessed, stay inspired. Until next time, peace. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Reflections. If you did, share it with a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes so we can get this consciousness out there more. Let's elevate the whole community. Peace and love.